Non-rock a boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I, yeah. got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. The work of the kingdom of God in the world is a demolition project at Satan's playground. Yes, sir. Full obliteration. That's uh, something someone said on Apologia TV just now, and uh, we love it. Yes. We love it. Very excited. I'm Jeff Durbin. This is the Gospel Heard Around the World. Uh, they call me the Ninja, and we're coming at you guys from Phoenix, Arizona, Underground Bunker. Uh, part of that uh, demolition project ourselves, actually. <laughs> and I'm joined by Pastor Luke Pierce, and we call him the bear. What up? And next to me is uh, Deacon Dan. We call Hello. him Daniel. And uh, Marcus King Ginger Pittman on the ones and twos. Hello. All right, guys, important show today. We're going to dive right in today to some crazy, crazy, cray, crazy cray. stuff. Let me just start. we we got to lay down some biblical presuppositions and foundations, first of all, because getting into this subject without first talking about where we are, where we're coming from, what we're standing on, doesn't make a lot of sense. But let's do this. Jesus redeemed us, men, women, children from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And before the throne of God are people of all different colors and backgrounds and cultures Jesus, through his work, broke down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. And let's just take this real serious right now. When we quote often that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, we're all one in Christ. That either means something theologically or it doesn't. It either means something in praxis or it doesn't. It's either just a, a pithy Christian t-shirt or it actually does something in the world, like it actually affects you. And I want to just say that I am so, so broken and tired and burdened by all this cultural Marxism and socialist propaganda nonsense that has crept its way into God's kingdom and church and people. And people today that say that they profess faith in the Savior who's redeemed all different colors are actually propagating the same nonsense that Marxist and socialist propagandists have been propagating for a long time, and then coding it all in a veneer of biblical language. If your gospel creates more divisions and tribalism, mm. 
then it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the kingdom of God. It's just more unbelieving drivel. And so what that it's coming out of a church building or out of the mouth of somebody, they profess that they love Jesus and they stand on the word of God. It doesn't matter. It's the same cultural Marxist propaganda that any of the unbelievers are shouting. Right. Don't tell me that you know Jesus, the one who breaks down those dividing walls, and then you start to re-erect them. You can't unscramble the egg. That's what a good mm. friend of mine has said. You can't unscramble the egg. So you want to talk as a Christian when Christ is redeeming people and cultures? You want to start reaching back into history, talking about all these cultural woes and racism and sin, and then start re-erecting that now and creating barriers between black Christians and white Christians and brown Christians and yellow Christians? You really want to go back? Because see, what Jesus does, according to the Bible, is he saves sinners, all of us, sinners from their sin, and then he draws us into his one kingdom and family. And I want to know, where in the New Testament do you get a justification to start erecting now all of these walls between races, creating classes and subdivisions in the name of Jesus, and telling us that we ought to go back in time now and start repenting for the sins of our ancestors? Where's that in the New Testament? Where do I have to go back into time now and start repenting for the sins of my ancestors when actually, to tell you the truth, I know my family history. They had nothing to do with it. Mm. So that brings us into the discussion, of course. Um, what are you talking about, man? we welcome man? our guest first? Uh, well, yeah, let's do that because we want to get him on here talking too. So our <laughs> here, guest today. Here, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Okay, all right. This is an introduction for a guest. It's cold. And that's what I call high quality eight tool. Oh! <laughs> why? Waterboy, why? Gosh, apparently Jeff doesn't listen to cross <laughs> politics. I, I guess I'm not listening to cross politics. He's the Waterboy on cross politics. Oh, I just slipped my mind. That's okay. okay, I forgive you. It's Gabriel Wrench from cross politics. <laughs> What's up, dude? <laughs> Gabe got it. Gabe got the joke. What's up, dude? Well, I've only seen you drinking. Hey, I've okay. only seen you drinking scotch. Thanks for having me on. Okay. That's true. Yeah. That's okay. true. All right. That is high quality H2O. It's high quality H2O. It's <laughs> um, very old H2O with a couple other additions. Um, so welcome to the show, brother. We brought you on today because we want to talk about the recent event you had where you talked to governor candidates and there's some controversy that's made its way all the way to Fox News and the AP and all that stuff. So before yeah. we get to that, I do want to address this stuff that's happened the last couple of days. Um, I actually post Marcus. I don't know if you remember this. I actually posted uh, maybe six months ago. I'd have to dig around on my Facebook. I, I posted farewell gospel Co or gospel coalition. Um, just oh, a yeah, little that's ways right. back. I that, yeah. And I can't remember what it was. Ooh. It was some other. It was some other cultural Marxist <laughs> uh, George Soros infused nonsense. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but I remember that I was like, well, that's not the gospel, and uh, that you guys aren't living up to your namesake. At any rate, um, we are just past the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King. Uh, I guess Tabidi was really upset because that 50th anniversary falls on the assassination of Martin Luther King. I agree. Let me just say fundamentally, probably shouldn't, you know, if you're going to do a memorial, maybe put on his birthday or some big event like the I Have a Dream speech. I agree. Assassination is kind of weird. Agreed, agreed, agreed. But, but, see, but those things don't instill rage in people, though. Yeah. Okay, get, so go yeah, ahead. You so guys talk amongst yourselves because I got all kinds <laughs> okay. of stuff to say. Go well, ahead. Well, well, why don't we 
why don't we read what he wrote first or what okay. he said and then right. we can talk about it. Make okay, more okay. Sense. okay, 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 okay. What are you, okay. Popeye? <laughs> okay. All right. So this is uh, the Gospel Coalition, April 4th. Olive oil. <laughs> April 4th, 2018. Tabidi, he writes, We await repentance for assassinating Dr. King. Very provocative. Now that's what I call some good mm, clickbait. That's, yeah, that'll get clicks. That'll get that's, clicks all that's right. Clickbait. That's yes, clickbait. Yes, for sure. It also gets your conference canceled. Yeah. Marcus, update everybody about what Phil Johnson just tweeted. Go so ahead. Phil Johnson, I guess they were going to do a Gospel Coalition conference at the West Coast Conference at the Ma- uh, the Grace the Grace Community Church. Community Church. No, John, you're not. John MacArthur's. And Phil Johnson just tweeted about an hour ago, the website for TGC's October West Coast Conference has not been revised yet, but those planning to attend need to know that it will not be held at Grace Community Church. I'm sorry, but I have no information yet on what the new venue will be. Oh, Phil Johnson, I love you so much. Dr. MacArthur, God bless you both, men. So keep reading what he said, because it gets worse. All right. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's not very long, but okay. I've been conflicted about the, quote, celebration of the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King. On the one hand, I've been battling my unbelief and discouragement to maintain at least a slender hope that the commemorations would be one step, even one step, in the long journey toward reconciliation, peace, and justice. On the other hand, it struck me as perversely curious to celebrate the 50th anniversary, as some put it, in quite a number of such celebrations, one can barely find in the conference themes and slogans a mention that the 50th anniversary does not commemorate Dr. King's birth or life, but his murder. Dr. King was assassinated. He did not die peacefully in his sleep. He died violently and cruelly from the bullet fired um, of a Remington Model 760, a bullet tearing through his cheek, breaking his jaw and vertebrae as it rifled through his spine. Uh, says James Earl Ray initially confessed to assassinating Dr. King, but he did not act alone. Many have long believed there was a literal conspiracy of government actors, the mafia, and Memphis police. Whether or not you believe Ray acted as a patsy for these conspirators, he did not act alone. He acted with the tacit and sometimes explicit approval of white supremacists. He acted with the encouragement of a white society dedicated to the advantage of whites above all others and simultaneously the segregation, oppression, and exploitation of black people. Ray acted with the assistance of whites who suppressed their consciences. Consciences. He acted with the assistance of anti-civil rights propagandists and white-collar country club segregationists. He acted with the assistance of the FBI um, campaign charged with the discrediting, maligning, and silencing voices, voices of black descent. These parties acted in concert in the same direction against Dr. King and, by extension, the millions of African Americans hoping for some larger piece of freedom's promise. Uh... Now, let me see here. I'm saying the entire society killed Dr. King. Let me read that again. I'm saying, this Tabidi, in the article, Gospel Coalition, I'm saying the entire society killed Dr. King. That's, that, no. I'm going to read it again. No. I'm saying the entire society killed Dr. King. No, no, no. Because I I didn't. I I wasn't, honestly, like, you know, this might be shocking, but I, I, I wasn't alive. Right, well, and, I wasn't. Right. Bo- I wasn't born then. And well, you'd say you're, you know it's your grandparents. Marcus. No, but Jesus doesn't hold me accountable for the sins of my fathers. Right. Well, but your grandparents no. were part of this. They are consp- they're co-conspirators. <laughs> doesn't he go on to talk about that? Like, that is that some family members. second to last that paragraph. That is some gospel. gobbledygook. I, I, I will right just. There. I'll finish it because I'm almost done. I guess it isn't that long. 
This society had been slowly killing him all along. Taylor Branch, King Scholar and award-winning biographer, pointed out that Dr. King at the time of his death, though only 39, had the heart of a 60-year-old. He suggests, I think legitimately, that the stresses of the civil rights movement and of pervasive Jim Crow hostility showed itself in the 20-year aging of Dr. King's heart. Dr. King himself knew that slow death of white supremacy would give way to a sudden, violent end. Following the assassination of President Kennedy, Dr. King commented to his wife, Coretta, this is what is going to happen to me also. I keep telling you, this is a sick society. This is a sick society, and we kid ourselves that we think all the sickness gets healed just by time and rest. Racism, prejudice, hatred, and bigotry is not a cold. It's a cancer. It mutates. It metastasizes. Metastasizes. And despite our protests and insistence otherwise, this sickness gets passed on in a kind of social hereditary action, sometimes unconsciously and unsuspected. Oh, yeah. Sometimes systematically and sometimes intentionally and virulently. The civil rights leader standing on the balcony on that dark day pointed at not only to Ray and the area where he, the shots were fired, but figuratively pointed to the entire country and its sinister hatred and racism. Sorry, guys, I don't have my light. I don't have to repent for figurative sins. Oh, well, hang on. Here, here okay. you go. This, this is, <laughs> I no, don't. No, I this don't. Is, this, is where he gets, this is where he sticks a knife in. I don't need all white people to feel guilty about the 1950s and 60s, especially those who weren't even alive. So you're good, Marcus. Okay, good, because I Except, don't. Except. Oh. But I do need all of us to suspect that sin isn't done working its way through society. I do need all my neighbors, especially my brothers and sisters in Christ, to recognize that no sin has ever been eliminated from the world and certainly not eliminated simply with the passage of time and willingness of some people to act as if it never was there. If this country will make any significant stride toward freedom, it must have enough courage to at least make it clear that Dr. King didn't just die but was assassinated. Is anyone denying that? No. Nope. <laughs> no. Murdered, violently Nobody killed. Nobody is denying that. Not one person. I don't and know. I can't think of one person. With the approval of far too many in this country, until and, until, until and unless there is repentance of this animus and murderous hatred, the country will remain imprisoned to a seared conscience until this country and the church learn to confess its particular sins, particularly will not overcome the Adamic... I thought he said they were figurative sins. Will not overcome the Adamic hostility <laughs> that infects the human <laughs> soul. Not particular sins. It distorts human potential. Here we go. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I know Dr. King's life is much greater than his death. I understood that his death gives us opportunity to reflect on his legacy, but it also gives us opportunity to reflect on that, that twist in our soul that rose up and killed him. It gives opportunity to repent of the things some have with too much pride too often refused him. It is there, and this is the punch. My white neighbors and Christian brethren can start by at least saying their parents and grandparents and this country are complicit in murdering a man who preached only love and justice. And heresy. And heresy. And heresy. And social Marxism. Okay. Here's what I have to say. And did more to harm the black community. Well, no, wait, hold on. The, oh, go ahead. But just, I'm going to say real fast. <laughs> the problem now is that we're not allowed to talk about this. No, we're going to talk right. about it. No, but we're not allowed oh, to talk no, about it. we're going to talk about it. Because we're white. <laughs> right. We're white. So the problem is, is because there were white people that sinned and were unjust and deserved to go to hell for what they did. We can't talk about it because we're white. And I'm a believer who knows God. Well, and, and Russell Moore's white and he's talking about it. Yeah. So yep. I think we can talk about it. We just got to be on his side. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Luke. Okay. So obviously none of us are denying that there was you know, extreme racism and, and we repudiate all of that. Okay. They deserve to just, go to hell. Just just to be clear, to yeah. set the record straight before we really get into this. But here's where I personally take offense to what he's saying. And in, in that being my three uh let's see, five years before uh MLK was assassinated, 
my family, my grandparents, my mother were in the Belgian Congo and they were fleeing for their lives from uh, from black rebels in Africa. They oh. were trying to kill them. So I'm not I'm not asking for an apology from Tabidi for the way his his ancestors treated my family members. No, 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 no. And that's where it's like, what? Well, that's where you're wrong, Luke. <laughs> you need to have you need to start a campaign. Maybe I should then. In well, the exactly. Congolese yeah, yeah. and 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 tell the Congolese people to repent of of what yeah. their ancestors did to yeah. your. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to start a campaign to uh, contact the Queen of England um, because my Irish and Scottish ancestors were under tyranny for hundreds and hundreds of years at the hands of the British. Um, I do take checks just so she knows. Uh, but, but they're all white. See, that's the thing. It's yep, it's all about race exactly. here. It's a racial lens. It has that, nothing to right do. It has to nothing to do with actual oppression or sin. Exactly. It's only in order to de- make a division between these made this made up thing called race. You can't unscramble the egg. All of us have oppression in our histories. All of us, every single person, including white people, brown people, yellow people, black people, we all have oppression in our back, in our background, in our past. All of us have ancestors that were enslaved, beaten, kidnapped, tortured. All of us have that somewhere down the line in our past. You can't unscramble the egg. You want to now start erecting more animosity between colors? Everything in the gospel, everything in the New Testament goes against that kind of thinking to start reaching back into the past. These people are acting like Peter. How so? In in the sense that Peter was, was, was... Condemned over and over again for, you know, not wanting to eat with the Gentiles and su- and all these things, and he was rebuked for his views of race. Mm. And they're bringing this stuff back up again, back just right. like Peter sure. did. Right. Yeah, and 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 they were and Paul. I was Paul rebuked him. I was like, this is eat, we eat, <laughs> yeah. come together and eat. Yeah. And so it's 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 un- it's unbelievable to me because on one hand. There, there is a problem. Like I, I think we, you know, even today there is a problem with race in our society. Yes. But the solutions that they are are proposing are are problems that only make it worse. Bigger government. So they're tightening the chains and calling it freedom. And it's yeah, bigger government is the that's the biggest problem in the black community now. From schools, total destruction, to, to uh, police brutality. Yes, uh, all these things are the result of bigger government. And they're saying, hey, we need more government to be involved in these racial problems. And because white communities uh, don't want bigger government, then they're racist. And it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, minimum wage has done more. This is just one example. Minimum wage has done more to harm the black community and to set them back than than anything than, than anything almost in economically. It's it's hindered them. And we had Walter Williams on our show, and he talked about this fact in his book Race and Economics. He talked about how how uh, blacks freed freed slaves in the north would work for less and work harder than the whites in the north and the whites got together and they said we need to stop this so they created a minimum wage so that black people had to be paid the same as white people so that people's racism wouldn't cost them more money because because if you have a choice between you know two dollars an hour for a black guy or five dollars an hour for a white guy and you want to go with the black guy but you're racist uh, or you don't want to go with a black guy because you're racist, you're going to have to pay more money. 
it's going to cost you more to be racist. And they got together and proposed a minimum wage, and the Supreme Court said it was unconstitutional and it was overturned. It was the first minimum wage law that was passed. And, uh, and, 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 And ever since then, ever since the New Deal... We've had the minimum wage, and and that's just you can't compete in a market like that. And that's just one thing. You got food stamps, and you got a uh, uh, welfare for single parents. Uh, all these things are what's keeping the black community back. And and poor communities. It's not just black communities. It's just poor poor communities in general. It's all keeping it back, and it's creating more animosity. I, I want to know. And yeah. we're taking guns away from people <laughs> when they should I, use citizens' arrests to defend themselves against police brutality. I want to uh, know how come we're not pointing out the obvious that in history, the history of God's kingdom in the world, the Christian church going into advance the gospel in different nations, how come we're not pointing out the obvious that Christians never ever have this as part of their mo they never went into a nation and started saying hey let's start looking about all the ways you were oppressed and let's start looking going back and everyone that oppressed you let's go and ask for reparations let's go ask for 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 their their ancestors now to start apologizing to you what they dealt with the individual soul and they called people to repentance over their sins and they called them to justice and mercy the answer by the way to the gospel coalition the answer first and foremost is that people have a radical transformation through the gospel. They repent of their own personal sins. They turn to Jesus Christ. And then the answer beyond that, if you want actually like a restructuring of society, is the law of God. God's law. God's law. Why, why are we pulling into like the, the cultural Marxists and the social? Why are we using their playbook? I thought we had a playbook. Isn't the playbook the word of God? Isn't that how God actually... Doesn't he give us the blueprint for what is just in society? Why are we mm-hmm. going to the unbeliever's playbook? Why are we using it now to try to restructure society? I thought it was about discipling the nations and teaching them to obey Jesus. Mm-hmm. I hate where we're at right now. Yeah. I hate Terrible. it. It's awful. How do we ever get to the place where now I have to be concerned about my black brothers and sisters in Christ not trusting me or knowing that I truly, genuinely love them and I've got nothing whatever to do with any of that stuff. Why now do we have to create class warfare, which is from a different kind of playbook, to now actually work towards healing? I thought that he's the master physician, and he heals us, and he brings us together, and he breaks down the things that, that, that divide us. All of these boundary markers, they're, divi- they're gone away in Jesus. It's yeah. so heartbreaking. Let's let's see what our guest thinks. Yeah, yes. I was gonna say, you gotta you gotta get in mind because he's he's yeah. been he's been posting stuff Gabriel, on Facebook yeah, this whole time. Yeah, I got a, I got a couple things while you guys been talking. You know, um, part of that part of that playbook that's being run. They've kind of learned, kind of like what Jeff was talking about. They've learned from our our culture. What, I mean, what what are they doing? But they're using apologies as power plays. Yes, they're using apologies as a way to to kind of you know. Um, browbeat and uh, people in, into submission, browbeat people into to their way of thinking. It's not, um, I can't, re- you know, I think it was, you guys maybe even returned to this, but James White, you know, pointed this out as like, you have to be able to confess your sin, a specific sin. You can't confess a generic sin. What are, what are you confessing? Right. Who you harmed, who you sinned against, uh, you know, all that. Marcus um, said, said this at the very beginning. He said, um, I'm, I'm not responsible for the sins of my father. But the fathers are sure responsible for the sins of their children. Yes. Right? Because yeah. God says, if you obey me, I'll bless you to a thousand generations. If you disobey me, I'll curse you to the third and fourth generation. Mm-hmm. And that's what the beauty needs to have in his sight. 
it's not it's not trying to hold children's children accountable for the sins of their fathers. It's holding fathers accountable for the sins of their children. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's exactly backwards in what he's doing. Yes. Um, as you guys know, I'm from Texas. And there it is. Before, you are? There. <laughs> yeah, I did. I brought it up. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Texans took um, Texas from the Mexicans. The Mexicans took, took it from the French, the French took it um, uh, back from the Mexicans, and then the Mexicans, uh, or the Aztecs, um, uh, the Mexicans took it from the Aztecs. And so, you know, in the span, you know, Texas history is is all over the map. Who who should inherit Texas? Who should who should Texas be reinstated to? Right, right. Um, you know, I think Luke, you're making that point with your ancestors, right, and everything. We 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 can't. We can't play this crazy train of power plays around apologies. That's the exact opposite of how the gospel deals with the situation. Um, so there's right. a couple thoughts there. That's right. Man, this is so broken. Yeah. And, and, and here's what is so concerning to me. I have so treasured as a Christian the unity that we have in the kingdom of God with all the different colors and all the different cultural back, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the kingdom of God is just how much diversity and color and beauty there is. I treasure that. I came from, uh, personally, a home where that wasn't a thing. That kind of unity wasn't a thing. And I've loved that so much about the kingdom of God. And I've been so, honestly, for the last, say, uh, six to eight months in particular, seeing brothers and sisters having conversations that only highlight our distinctions and differences, creating so much of a separation that I right. never even saw in my early walk with Jesus. And it's just so heartbreaking because, because I am so grateful to God for all of the different colors that are around me. And I love that about God. I love that about his, his world and the kingdom that he's made. And this stuff is just, talk about a cancer. Talk about a cancer. It's this. This is a cancer. And man, does it spread fast. It spreads so fast. So the, the ERLC retweeted, we repent with our legs, our feet, and our pockets by Dr. C. Ed Edmondson, I guess. So I, why why is re, why does repentance require financial uh, extortion? So, so Where is this coming no, from? No, no, no. Karl so, Marx. So watch, watch. This is huge. This is huge. One of the things about unbelieving thought is, is their doctrine of atonement. Yeah, they don't have Jesus, but they still have a doctrine of atonement for sin. And that generally works out to be labor. It works out to be um, uh, sort of the sackcloth and ashes. It works out to be the apologies. And it works out to be money. You can atone for the sins of your ancestors through a paycheck, through your wallet. That sounds like Scientology. Well, that's sounds how you'll like atone salvation. for it. <laughs> And so that's what happens. This, this is see, this, that's just the identification. This is all from Satan and not from God. Because as soon as you start suggesting financial remuneration for atonement and apology to reconcile that way in terms of sin, you've missed the gospel completely. Well, that's an indulgence. That's Roman Catholicism. That's not Christianity. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. This has nothing to do with Jesus. Mm. Not a thing. And I don't care how... I don't care how sympathetic and how much it's <laughs> dripping with emotion and tears. It's not from Jesus. 
I, I look, all the emotional stuff, look, we're emotional beings. We ought to be emotional when, when, it's, when it's important to do so. But you know what? I also listen to Mormons dripping with emotion while they propagate and spill the false gospel and false god of Joseph Smith. They are full of emotion and tears. As a matter of fact, if you ever go to a Mormon ward and you, you go to a service, it is hours and hours of nothing but crying. It is just crying and more crying. And if you listen to the last general Mormon conference, it's the same thing from their apostles. It's like they always have to have one section there where they just they just ooze emotion and tears. When are we going to get past this emotion-based spiritual experience where it's all about, well, that just seems so sympathetic and emotional and heartfelt. It's like, but what, what about the truth? What about the truth that you cannot mm-hmm. atone for sins through your pocketbook? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't fix anything. Because how much is enough where we say it's this much money? How well, about all of Jesus? That's prosperity gospel, right? Yes. Like the prosperity gospel says if you want to be healed by Jesus, write a check. Right. Right? So it's the same It's the same premise. And mm. Beth Moore tweeted, I think it was Beth Moore, she said that it, we, we we're not believing a, a prosperity gospel we're believing a pampered gospel, even though Beth Moore preaches a prosperity gospel. We'll ignore that fact for a moment. But, but, but so, so the, the whole idea that you can atone for your sins via your checkbook is that's the gospel that Benny Hinn has. That's the gospel that all these other people, every false word of faith or uh, denomination church, that's what they have. And, and, it seems to me, and, and I think this needs to be said, that the danger here is that these people at the Gospel Coalition, when they say things like that and they retweet things like that in approval, that they're, they're preaching works righteousness. That's yeah, scary. Not, not only that, but, you know, I think it's important to, to take, just to say, okay, well, how do you solve the problem? Well, let me tell you how I try to solve it as, as a white minister of the Gospel. What I do vote is... It, you vote for Bernie Sanders? Yes, yeah, right. Well, I'd say some people might like that. Um, what I try to do is I try to speak prophetically against the sins of my culture. I call people to repentance and towards the biblical worldview, biblical truth and principles and values. And I try to speak the truth and word and principles and just law of God against injustices I see in my society. So, for example, we've taken heat in the past because we have tried to apply the law of God to the black men that have been murdered by police officers. We say, here's why it's unjust, because the law of God says this, what the black community needs is the law of God in their community. That will protect them from these wicked, murderous, authority-swinging police officers. And what I, what I don't try to highlight there is, is simply the race issue, because it's not just a race issue, it's right. a justice issue. Right. It's how we hold these police officers accountable by the law and how we apply proper standards of justice and how you're supposed to accuse anybody of a crime. But, uh, I mean, but we don't solve the problem by now creating more barriers between whites and blacks, which is precisely what the Gospel Coalition is doing. Right. right. I, I think exactly. the, the, the illustration for me is when I think back to my childhood, I had a Sunday school teacher, and he was my favorite Sunday school teacher I ever had. Just, I loved this man. And he was, a, he was a coach for the University of Arizona football team, and he's coached in the NFL, and he played in the NFL. And like, I just thought he was the most amazing guy I ever knew. Well, he was black. But now I'm required to see him as black before my love for him, according to this, this kind of uh, 
evil, sinful doctrine. And when I was a child, That's I didn't see that. that. Yeah. I didn't think about it. Right. I, I saw him as, there's teacher Johnny, there's Johnny Lynn. Mm -hmm. And I loved that man, mm -hmm. and I love him to this day. And he remembers me because, why? Here's this little white boy that th 40 years before that would have never been in a Sunday cl school class with him, mm -hmm. would have never ran up and gave him a hug. Mm -hmm. So, but now we've regressed. Now I'm supposed to see black first and go up and say, I'm sorry, my ancestors uh, fought for the South. Or, or wait, do I identify with my Northern ancestors? The ones who fought for the North in Andersonville prison. I'm conflicted. Right. I'm British and Irish. Yeah. I'm German and Swiss. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I, I oppressed myself. Do I repent to myself? Yeah, you realize that I'm a mutt too? <laughs> we're all, that's, we're that's all a bunch funny. of mutts. Right, exactly. <laughs> we all come from the same human family. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break, guys. I think we're got done, at least for now. Um, I think we'd like to do some, some different shows, just in a little more detail. I'd like to follow the money. Let me just put that down for the record here. Ooh. I'd like to follow the money. Yeah. And find out where's the money coming from and how come the message now with these organizations that's amplifying all this this stuff and creating class warfare in these Christian ministries, how come this started happening after the checks started coming from particular organizations? Hmm. Huh. I'd like to know about that. Some of you guys are probably wondering, what in the world are you talking about? Well, you will find out. Trust me, it's in the works right now. But there is a direct link to money and then the message changing and getting to where it's at now. Trust us on that. Um, we have documentation, and you will hear about it someday. So, um, But yeah, that's an important discussion to have. We're going to take a break. Come right back, guys. Apologiastudios.com is where you guys go. Just did an amazing, amazing oh gosh, TV yes. show. I can't wait for you guys to see. It's going to blow your mind, bless your soul. So that's coming soon. I won't uh, announce just the details of it yet, but can't wait for you guys to see it. And it's only happened because we have people just like you that are partnered with us in All Access. When you go to get All Access, you make everything possible, including the content that led a young Mormon, returned missionary, married in the temple, to come in to the temple to talk to me, to tell me that now he is uh, doubting Mormonism and he wants to know the gospel. All that happened because you guys helped to fund all the content being seen around the world people are coming to jesus so when you sign up for all access you get the tv show the after show apology academy you make everything possible we'll be right back this is the chocolate knox if you love that wonderful sensation of chewing glass this is the show for you cross politic is a weekly show and podcast that mixes the taboo formula of faith culture and politics proclaiming the lordship of christ in every corner of our culture hallelujah gabriel wrench is a deacon from texas and he wears overalls one time <laughs> chocolate knox aka david shannon he's a movie maker from minnesota Action! i'm toby sumter pastor here in moscow idaho and i used to live in alaska did you know that no no we've interviewed everyone from alveda king to ted cruz to steve dace to walter williams and we invite you to join us here at cross politic as we learn to fight, laugh, and feast, all to the glory of God. CrossPolitik.com
for 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world, not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college to equip students with the tools to build and fight. And this is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, check us out online at nsa.edu forward slash explore. Jeff the Ninja, Luke the Bear, Deacon Dan. Hello. Daniel. <laughs> King Ginger. Hello. Gabe the Water Boy. Yes. <laughs> Still there. All right. So we're back and uh, let's jump right back in. We got some important stuff to talk about that happened with cross politic. You know, uh, before, while we were in break there, Gabe, you said something that was powerful. I'd like to hear you just uh, talk about that. Yeah. As you guys were talking about, you know, Kabidi and repentance and um, uh, kind of the white church repenting for the sins of their fathers. You know, the question asked Kabidi then is, you know, in in cities like Chicago or uh, particularly New York, where more black babies are aborted than are were born in 2000, I believe it was 2015, 16 oh, members. Wow. So, there's a black church need to repent of those fathers' sins. Yep. Um, and those fathers know, that, are I mean, still that's, here. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's like almost like mass genocide percentages. Yeah. That's exactly right. Man. You know, it's, it's, so. it's one, one, I'll add a word here, and this gets us, in, this gets us definitely into the abortion discussion. Um, Well, let me let me hang on to that because I think it'll come up in this this next thing. Let's go ahead and introduce us to it. Uh, Cross Politic held another really really great uh, town hall. Uh, tell us about it. What was what was happening? Who did you invite? Yeah. So um, once a quarter, you know, we tried to do a live show, and and so far the live shows just happen to be kind of politicians in the state of Idaho. You, you know, it's kind of election season for us. We got a couple important elections coming up and. And we want our faith to impact, just like you guys, we want our faith to impact, you know, culture and, mm-hmm. and politics. And one way to impact politics is have politicians on and discuss, you know, the issues with them. Mm-hmm. And, and so we had the Republican candidates for governor in Idaho back in September, which you guys filmed and, and uh, came and, and participated in. And then this last Monday, we had the lieutenant governors, uh, the Republican candidates for lieutenant governor in Idaho. There's five running uh, for lieutenant governor, uh, but we so we only end up kind of just choosing three. We kind of chose our um, the three that we thought would create a most interesting the most interesting show. Um, and so we had three of the the candidates on, and of course we started off you know talking about uh, education. We breezed past the Second mm-hmm. Amendment a little bit, uh, we, and then we started getting into healthcare, and then of course um, abortion. And most of this show um, ended up going down the abortion trail. And at one point, you know, we were pressing the candidates on the issue. If abortion is illegal in Idaho, if abortion 
is murder. Uh, and given all the biblical case law and precedent and intent to murder and, um, uh, you know, all the, all the biblical reasoning for trying someone for murder, could a woman face the death penalty for abortion? Seems and of course, we, we also <laughs> preface everything with, you know, we understand there's, there's situations where women are forced into it, where the, the father, the, the boyfriend, whatever, uh, and, and that's a case where we think the, the husband should be tried or the boyfriend should be tried. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, but this, uh, but we're pressing this situation specifically with a woman like who was on her third abortion, you know, walking mm-hmm. in an abortion clinic, knowingly knowing what she's doing, intent is there, premeditation is there, yada, yada, yada. And that's the, that's the question we pose to the candidates. And one of the candidates, um, uh, Bob Nonini, Senator Bob Nonini, mm-hmm. um, he, he said, he said yes to that. He affirmed that and shook his head in agreement to that. Now he's, he's later kind of backed down from that. Um, but that, that question is what has blown up all over the media. Um, so the Chicago Tribune's picked it up. The AP's picked it up. Fox News picked it up. The Hills picked it up. Of course, all our local newspapers in the state of Idaho and Washington have picked it up. Um, and it's, and it's been all over. And so, um, it's, it's just blown up, uh, and everything. So that's, that's kind of the context of, of kind of this recent storm. Yeah. Uh, this firestorm that's come out. Well, good but for, good for if him. You think about it. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say good for him. I mean, that, that's all. Just good for him for being consistent. Yeah, and, and, and you know, even if Bob Nonini is kind of, he's kind of shied away from uh, how he handled it on the show, um, but he's still saying things that are far more courageous than actually most Republicans would say anyway. His stance on abortion is still solid. He's like, I think it should be illegal. I don't think it should be there. Um, I just differ with cross politics on, the, on, on how, you know, the – um, the penalties should be applied. Um, so he's still, and, and, and I don't want to jump on him. I don't want to follow the liberal media and jump all over him for maybe you know, shying away or, or adjusting his position since the show. Um, but I want to find a way to come around and, and throw him some, some, some support. Um, I mean, where the heck are all his friends uh, in Boise right now? You know, nowhere. Right. Yeah, well, it takes, um, so it takes a lot of we, courage to stand on that conviction. Right. Yeah, it just takes a lot of courage to stand on that conviction. I mean, you have so many of these pro-life politicians that feel in their heart of hearts that it is murder. It needs to be ended, criminalized, abolished immediately. Uh, he was he was willing to say it right then, and I think he's taking the heat because there's a lot of guys that aren't as courageous. I hope I hope Sorry. he'll I hope he'll stand on it. Ultimately, just just be consistent. Yes, you're right. Good job. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, you remember you guys interviewed San- Senator Dan Foreman when you guys came up. Yes. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions I asked. Uh, Bob on the show was where were you? Why weren't you saying anything when Senator Dan Foreman right. was getting bashed by the liberal media for his his legislation proposal to end abortion in Idaho? And um, after the show, he said, "Sorry, I should have done. I should have said something." And now look at it. I mean, now he's the one where no one's talking about him. No one's standing up for him. No one's supporting him. And so I, I feel I feel for the guy. Yeah, it's kind of a unfortunately reap what you sow kind of thing. Um, all right, well, I'm going to play this clip, if you guys don't mind. I was going to play this portion. I think it's just, it's powerful. It's where I saw Marcus. I was like, oh, good job, Marcus. Marcus added the question, and I saw David saw it and read it off. So I'm glad it got in there, but this is the section where that question is asked, and um, I think it'll be helpful. Uh, face, from Facebook, someone said, um, 
would you be willing to cons have the uh, As someone was uh, Marcus, a woman right? who has an abortion, would you consider her a murderer and would you charge her with the account of murder? If that's what the law says, that's what happens. Uh, would you I, want a law that says that? No, I, I mean, okay, assuming that the law itself has worked out like any other case law right. when it comes to murder, right. was, that, was that law that you would say, absolutely, we should have something like I that? I believe that murder is murder. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now I do believe that if our goal is to save the maximum number of lives, going aggressively prosecuting some of these people may not be the best way to be able to get those lives into this world into hands that are ready to take care of them. And so I don't, I don't know that I would be for aggressive prosecution. But if someone wants to say, is this murder and should it be listed as that under the law, I don't have a problem with that. So I just want to hang there for one second. When someone says, I believe this is murder, it's murder. It's, it's a mother murdering her child. And then turns around and says, but I don't know so much about prosecuting. Mm. I mean, what that really says, though, is that you don't really believe that it's murder. Because right. you wouldn't talk about murder in any other context. Or, or they don't understand the role of the government. There you go. Or, and, and it sounded like, because when I listened to the debate, it sounded like most of the guys there were trying to answer the question like they were an agent of the church and not an agent of government. Right. And, like, and like so many times I listened to the debate, I was like, that's not your job. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that's going to come up next, Marcus. Yeah. You're exactly right. right. But I think also it is, it has to be talked about that this is the consequence of the pro-life narrative that's been propagated for 40 years. And we have said for 40 years as the pro-life movement, welcome to the pro-life movement. Here are our standards. Um, uh, it's killing, it's the killing of the unborn. It shouldn't be done. It's immoral. And by the way, the woman's a victim. When for 40 years you tell people as part of the pro-life movement, the woman's a victim, you get politicians that have inconsistent positions like this, where he says, it's murder, but I don't want to prosecute the women who commit murder. <clears throat> yeah, that's, so that's, that's, that's the falling off point. And I want to say that, yes, I think it's an inconsistency on this man's part, but praise God he said it's murder. Thank God we're almost there, inch, inching forward. Um, but I think it's a consequence of the pro-life movement telling him, woman's a victim. We've painted the picture yeah, of the woman that she's yeah. a victim in abortion, and because of that, we have inconsistencies like this, where a man, he just probably assumes he's adopted the pro-life line. That's what we believe, right? Yeah. The woman's a victim. And we don't. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but if you know, a horse, of course, uh, is uh, it's from the Roman Catholic Church. That's where it comes from. A lot of yep, yep. Okay, go ahead, continue. Well, and, and here's this is kind of the Tibeti problem a little bit too, where our nation um, is so the church, um, communities states, our nation is so complicit in this abortion, uh, in this carnage from Christian men and pornography to Christian men and how they love their wives, to Christian um, pastors and how they lead the church, um, that <clears throat> to, um, to just all of a sudden, let's say we ended abortion um, or made illegal, abortion illegal in Idaho tomorrow, I wouldn't want these judges aren't even fit to be able to serve the just penalty, the, the death penalty. Right. They aren't even fit morally to be able to handle the situation um, judiciously in the first place. So I want repentance to be far deep and wide long before we think we have a moral backbone to kind of clean this up judiciously. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Okay, Luke. 
you gave me like a half cookie. Well, <laughs> life sometimes takes the yeah. other half. Yeah. Yeah. Ser- seriously, if, you're, if, we're, going, if we're, we're dealing with people that have made bad choices and are in bad circumstances, uh, my, my, I have a child that was born in terrible circumstances. Yeah. And the culture of today would have said, terminate the pregnancy. I was grateful that there were people that intervened. Yeah and made it so that she chose to give birth and put that child into a place where she could be loved. Sure, sure. Uh, and now this particular person happened to already have been prosecuted of other things. Right. Uh, but I, I am not convinced that aggressive prosecution would be the way to get to and save the maximum number of those lives. So we, we wouldn't treat it like every other form of murder? Well, there are plenty of kinds of murder that don't sure. face the same kinds of sentencing, the same kinds of case Depending on what it is, depending on how right. the situation is, Look, we judge it. According I, to what, I don't what, want what there to be a single one. Right. Uh, and uh, but I I don't want to give what I worry could be a false sense of hope that if we just criminalize oh. it and aggressively prosecute it, that we will succeed in the culture war of actually yeah. trying to reach and save those lives. Yeah. Well, see, no, I, I think yeah, that I that's, think... that's not what I think anybody's really saying, that the law is going to save our nation. All of us want to, right. all of us want to herald the truth that our, the heart of our nation needs to be transformed, individuals need to be transformed. It's just a question of establishing justice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're, of course, we're not going to stop people from wanting to take people's stuff and from coveting and stealing. Of course not. But we do want some laws against theft, right? Like we'd yeah. want to establish justice so that you're not allowed to steal from me. So that's really what we're talking about here. And, and there just seems to be a lot of false dichotomies here in this discussion. I think you're going to hear it coming up next is, is another false dichotomy coming from the woman. What was the woman's name again, Gabe? I forget. I'm sorry. Janice McGeehan. Okay, you're going to hear that in just a moment here. Yes, there should be no abortion, and anyone that has an abortion should pay. Yeah, so death penalty, or, uh, based on the law. Based on the, based on the, the case, case law. law. Based on the case law. Yeah. Good for him. N- no, I wouldn't, no. I, I can't support a woman facing the death penalty. I just can't do that. Uh, any case? If if she if my wife killed me, you said don't worry, honey, it was well, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> he deserved it. You're old enough. There's to wear. exceptions to every rule. In, in yeah. that case, maybe it'd be all right. Or <laughs> no, but no, we're talking specifically about a woman having an abortion. I cannot. I no, I can't support a woman facing a death penalty for that. In any Stop. case, so she, she killed okay, her Okay, so there you go. Right there, that demonstrates, because this woman had, had been essentially bragging the whole night that she was pro-life and she fought for pro-life things. So she's saying, no, not for abortion. Mm-hmm. Like, a woman should not have to face penalty like that for abortion. She, I can't support that. Why? Because you don't really believe, right. actually believe that this is the taking of the life of a human being. If you did believe that it was actually murder, that it was actually a human being, that's actually a child of a mother and she's killing it, then you would absolutely say, yes, I believe that a woman mm-hmm. should be punished. Yeah. But the problem is, is that the pro-life narrative is that the woman is a victim. So if, if that baby is born premature, the mother says, I don't want this baby. This is going to be too much responsibility. And, and she goes over there and she kills that baby. Should she be tried for murder? If you say yes, inconsistent. Yeah, completely. Inconsistent. I What's think the David difference? brings that up. Two inches. Too, yeah. There you go. How old? Let me ask this question. How old? At what age is it okay for her 
um, to to kill her child. So let's say it's, it's never okay. Oh, so so three, uh, four, okay. five. Now it's like okay. Now you get the death penalty. Perfect He's six question. years old. There's mothers that are out there that have killed their baby or five babies, and have they been? Are they on? Have they been killed? No, they keep, they keep getting into the this system forever, and the taxpayer has to pay for it. Or they let go, get let go. So if so, again. right? But that's not that's not the question we're asking because we're we recognize that we are in the situation we're in, and it's you know it's messed up. And I would agree with you that the prison system is is a is a mess and so forth. But what we're asking for is the principle that you stand on, because you said that you live by principles, and so that's that's the question that we're asking is. Um, Principally, we know it's another matter of what can actually be applied. And again, due process should be taken into Absolutely. account. Case law should be taken into That's account. That's what justice is. But but <laughs> the question has to do with is if abortion is murder, does it does it get um, prosecuted as well, murder? Well, I believe I'm a Christ, as a Christian, I believe in the restorative love of God. <sighs> and so, when a woman makes a decision like that in her life, and thank God, I've never done that. I've had two pregnancies, two healthy children. I've never been one of those women that had to make that decision. What's that, ver to make that, decision? Right. What's that verse in Isaiah that says women rule over you? Yeah, as I punishment. Mean, that that's why like she's putting all this emotion and stuff motherly sympathy motherly sympathy into a position that's supposed to bear the sword against evildoers. Yes. We don't want we don't want motherly sympathy in our judicial system, we want someone uh, someone that's going to bear the sword and chop people's heads off. Mm. <laughs> like, that's what they're supposed to do. If you're denying a standard, then you, you can use this argument for any crime. If you're not going to uphold the standard, then you can use this argument for any crime. It doesn't, yeah, matter. Rape. It doesn't stop here. Rape, yeah, I would motherly sympathy for rape. He had to. He rape had is, to do it. Yeah, it was right, how he was born. It's the same. Yeah. His background, his yeah. upbringing, right. his environment, his addiction to pornography, all those things. You know, it, yeah, it, it's 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 it troubling to me to hear how she just said that did you guys catch yeah, it yeah she said i've never had to make that decision had to make that decision is pro-choice rhetoric mm -hmm. it's pro-choice rhetoric yeah. and propaganda mm -hmm. never had to make that decision you just obfuscated via euphemisms what's actually taking place had to make that decision you mean um when the mother when the mother walked her child into a doctor's office and that doctor assassinated their child by chopping it into bits, like that's not a have to make that decision. Right. You chose to murder your child. Talk about it in a right way and then we'll actually get somewhere. And so, and, and, and Marcus, you brought it up. At the, you, already, you already said it, but let's talk about that for a second. When, when we talk about the distinctions that have to exist because God says it's that way between the church offering mercy, forgiveness, all of that to the world, and then the justice system actually dealing out justice. What you're getting at, Marcus, is that she's applying for a job that's supposed to swing a sword. Right. She's not supposed to be applying the same principles that she would apply when she's trying to lead her neighbor to Jesus. Right. Right. So, I mean, the, the Bible's pretty clear that there's a separation between church and state in terms of, like, the roles and functions of each of each uh, covenant there right right so so when you when you when the, the way that the the church operates is restorative right so the church says we know you've had an abortion we want you to find jesus and be free of the sin and the guilt and the shame but the government's job is not to do that the government's job is to say we know you had an abortion uh but 
justice still needs to be served for the love of that child and other children. Uh, so we're going to uh, apply the penalty that's requi- required in this instance. Now, in the biblical law, obviously the two witnesses who are to bring the charge and to cast the first stone, they can apply restorative justice. But if they don't, they, uh, yeah, they can. They get, the, the witnesses can apply grace, but if they choose not to, the government has to go through with it. That's right. They have to bear the sword and swing it. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's just it was just crazy because like it's not just that issue. I, I think there were other issues with like education in that same debate, where the governors were saying, "Well, we need to fix this problem first, and we need to do this, and we need to do that," and 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 it was like. Well, let the church do that, <laughs> and you stay away from education. Like, that's not your job. Let us handle it. And I, I think you guys kind of pointed that out, too. It's, I, I, I think Toby was like, we're talking about justice. Right. <laughs> right. So we're not talking about these other areas that, are, that, that you know, make people feel good and make people want to vote for you, because <clears throat> that's not the basis for, of your job description, according to Scripture. And... I'm just looking forward to some people in Moss from Christchurch to be on that stage as candidates one day. That'll be right. awesome. Right. <laughs> I'll just say one last thing. I'll say one last thing. Yeah, go ahead. If I can kind of um, change, uh, or, or move this conversation a little forward here, one of the reasons why we're seeing a firestorm over this little, you know, remember, we ran a freaking what-if scenario. What if biblical justice, what if 50 years from now, um, we were able to end abortion in Idaho and our state repented and our um, magistrates got right with Jesus. What would justice look like? It was a what if scenario. And, and the liberal media has leaped all over this, leaped over, uh, jumped all over Bob on all this. Yeah. But, what, what, but what is not a what if scenario is 3,000 babies dying a day. Right. That is not a what-if scenario. That's happening right now. How come you guys are up in arms about this what-if scenario, and yet you don't give a, a, a hill of beans over the 3,000 babies that, um, you know, right. hey, it's 5 o'clock. It's almost over. Right. What we're seeing is a, a nation who has a guilty conscience and, and who doesn't know right from wrong can't tell morality, you know, if they, if they hit them in the face. And, and at the same time, you see a bunch of people that still want justice. That's, that's what the whole Second Amendment thing's going on is all about. You have, you have this, this nation that, that can't tell right from wrong and still wants justice, and so they look blindly trying to find a way to fix our problems, trying to find some sort of just right. way to fix our problems. Right. right. And that kind of blind... The B.D. Anna Wiley justice always <laughs> ends up in more bloodshed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. That's right. And 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 that's why that's why our hypocrisy as a nation has run so deep on this issue. And this is we released an article which I I, I sent to you guys before the show. We released an article that pointed all this out, that, that laid out everything from the church to to our nation. We got blood on our hands. And that's why this hypocrisy is so glaring to, I think, I think faithful, believing Christians who want to read the story rightly. And yet, it's, it's so 
um, dark and blind to go to, to those who are up in arms about Bob Nonini's comment. Mm. You know, that that outrage, um, you know, so the what if scenario that we gave, you know, uh, if an 18 year old, you know, um, could ever be tried for murder. Um, there's outrage over that 18 year old that we're saying, hey, in, a, in this biblical society, 100 years down the road, what if an 18 year old was tried for this? Is that possible? Um, but they would also have no problem at all if she was murdered via abortion 18 years earlier, along with all the other hundreds of thousands of other babies that were killed that year with her. They have no problem with that, yet they have a problem with our what if scenario. You know, that, you know, it's like I, I'm laughing at their outrage. I don't take their outrage seriously at all. And that's how, and I think this is what, one of the things that we need to learn as Christians in all this, and, and that's why we need to be praying for Bob, is that we need to learn to lean in and to punch back. Yes. And that's yes. how Bob should actually be thinking about, okay, I'm in this firestorm. How should I actually punch back? Well, one of the ways we can punch back is actually point out the silly hypocrisy of all of this where they're in outrage about a what-if scenario and not in the outrage about the current bloodshed that's going on today. That's right. Um, you know, that's what he should be doing. That's right, Gabe. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Good point. So to he tie, should be firing back that way. Sorry, to tie this all together, couldn't the same be said about MLK? Everybody's mad he got assassinated, which they should be, but if he would have been aborted, they, it would have been celebrated. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the, the cultural thinking right now. That's the mindset of our nation right now. We act like justice matters. We care about all these black people that are killed by police officers and in unjust ways. We care about all that. But, I mean, if you, if you, were, just, if you were just killed in an abortion facility, mm -hmm. that's fine. Yep. No, no, no cry for justice there. You're, Gabe, I don't know if you can communicate to this man, but I, I would send him that message, man. Fight back and fight back, emphasizing the 3,000 that are being killed today in our nation that's he should clap back, and that would be a huge clap back, um, big time. I mean, he yeah. could, he could use all of this controversy for good. It's God the controversy. All right, guys, Gabe Wrench, cross politic guys, check him out. You know him, you love him, we love him. We'll catch you uh, at another time, Gabe. We hope to have you on again soon. Hey, thanks, thanks so much. Thanks, thanks, dude. brother. God bless you. All right, guys, that was the show for right. today. Uh, catch us at ApologiaStudios.com. If you haven't gone there yet and listened to the archive, you should. Over 200 episodes, radio and podcast right there. Lots and lots of content we think will really bless you guys. We're grateful for all of you guys. Truly, truly grateful. Thank you. Pray if you would. Pray for the uh, Mormon, young Mormon man I've been speaking to. Deeply affected by our content that you help produce. His eyes have been opened. Sharing the gospel with him. I have a private meeting with him soon. You awesome. guys can watch that video at Apologia Studios uh, on, on YouTube. The last one, I think it says something like Mormon doubting Mormonism or something like that. Go watch that. Pray for him. And um, I'll try to update you as to what happens as that all goes along. But again, all this takes place only because of you. So thank you guys for all of you that are partnering with us at All Access. Thank you for all of you that have been partnering with us for years. We're grateful for you. That's Luke DeBear. Peace out. Deacon Dan. Adios. King Ginger. Hello. I'm the Ninja. Catch you guys next time.